Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Pillars uh, that I often reference and look at and uh, really have an ear to hear when that man stands behind the pulpit. It is really an honor to stand here in this assembly to uh, share what the Lord would put on my heart. and I believe God will help us tonight. I'm going to preach a simple message I've entitled Sin in the Camp and uh, preach out of Joshua chapter 7. We'll just get right into it. You know, when I was a little boy, I uh, had a little lying problem, and no one had taught me how to do it. I figured it out all by myself. And generally, it was because I did something, and I was being called to task, and I thought, well, if I just lie then I'm not going to get punished. But mama knows, man. Mama always knows. And uh, she took me into the garage. You know, I was from back east, and I'm sure they have them here too, but garages and basements are common. But how many know garages aren't to put cars in? They're to put all the stuff in, all the junk, you know. And we had a pile of that in the garage, and, and uh, my mama took me in there one day, and she said, now, son, there's some stuff over there that's uh, all kinds of stuff, and I don't want you to mess with the stuff. You see that, all that stuff right there? Yes, mama, I see it. Look at me. Do not touch that stuff. Is, do you understand me? Yes, I understand. And so that was that. But how many know in a five-year-old's mind, When that gets all jumbled around in the computer, it gets translated to, as soon as nobody's looking, you need to check out that stuff. (laughs) And sure enough, I got in there one day and I found me an old can of paint. And I finally got that paint off and it was so old I had to break through the top, had crusted over some kind of ugliest I guess it was a green, but it was, oh, just nasty. So it was all, I began to stir it and stir it and stir it and stir it. And I saw the neighbors, they had some professional painters come and paint their house. And so I'm thinking, I got this, man. I know how this is done. And I found a paintbrush. It hadn't even been cleaned. It was like hard, you know, frozen. But I got it in there and I started breaking it up. And now I had me a can of paint and a paintbrush. I got to paint me something. So I walked around the side of the house. We had a two-story house, had aluminum siding on there, kind of an off-white. And I walked around the uh, side of the house, and I looked, and there it was unfolding before me, this virgin canvas waiting for my artistic flair. So I dipped that brush in there. I didn't even shake it off or nothing. I just kind of dipped it in, put it on the side of the house, and walked down the whole side of the house, dripping as it went. And I did that a few times, and I looked. I was so impressed by that, I put my initials. I think this was probably in 1970, 71. I think I was the original tagger right here. (laughs) Never thought it would be a white boy, did you? And I did it to my own house. Not too bright, but, you know, anyway. But not to be found out. 
I took that can right back where I found it. You know, had a little dust circle. I put it right in there. I mean, I was brilliant. Put that lid on there, and I threw the brush back in there. Probably still hasn't been found to this day. And for a time, all was well. Because when we would come and go from the house, it was on the other side, and there's trees and bushes and things. And so we would go, and rarely, you know, unless you had a reason to be over there, didn't see it. I don't know, a few days later, we were coming home from Grandma's house, and on this particular day, it was decided to come the back way home. That's right, bro. Uh-oh is right. So I've forgotten all about that artwork. I've gone on to other things, you know. And coming home, all of a sudden, my mom lets out this scream and uh, says, What have you done? And, you know, I had done so many things. My mind's racing, you know. I don't know. I don't know what did I do, you know. And boy, I got a lesson that day I have not forgotten. The moral of that story is your sin will find you out. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might not even be in this life. But you are not going to escape. But the children of Israel committed a trespass, the Bible says in our text. Regarded the accursed things, for Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel. He spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said, Don't weary all the people. Uh, They're few. Just let a few go up. And so they sent some men to Ai, verse 5. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, and they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim, struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Not long before the account that we're looking at this evening, the people of God had made a a tremendous big step of faith. They crossed over the Jordan River into destiny. We know this story. They have been enslaved 400 years in Egypt. God raises up Moses, a deliverer. They walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. It's a picture of salvation. It's a picture of being delivered. It's a picture of the chains being broken. It's a picture of tyranny no more entering into the life. And they uh, they stumbled a little bit at the promised land at first. They wondered 40 years. But now they're ready to obey God. God gives them another opportunity. And they cross into the promised land. It is a wonderful picture of the Christian life, how God delivers us from sin. Uh, He delivers us from many vices, alcohol, uh, drugs, and the like. He delivers us uh, uh, from sins of the flesh. But friend, he's doing more than just trying to get us to not do a bunch of things. He's taking us somewhere. Can you say amen? God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a destiny for each and every person that's here tonight. And it's not just to be a little religious on Sunday, but I'm telling you, God has a plan, a unique plan for every single one of us. It involves a corporate moving. It involves individual things in our own lives. They had stepped out and saw a tremendous victory at their very first encounter in the promised land. 
See, the promised land's not a picture of heaven, beloved. It's a picture of the Christian life. Yes, there's blessing, there's destiny, but there's giants to overcome. There's enemies that must be dealt with. His name is Satan. And we have to regain. We have to take it. It's not just going to uh, just simply be there. We have to be aggressive and move in to the destiny God's called us to be. You can't do it just being in neutral. And they believe God. And we know the story. They came to Jericho. This is a, a fortified, walled city. And God supernaturally gave them the city. The people of God went in. They uh, did battle in that city. Uh, and they killed the enemy. And not one child of God was hurt. Not one. You know, in human history, when you, dis- uh, uh, when you uh, read about military campaigns and conflicts and battles, just about every one you read, Even the winner suffers casualties, except for one group of people. And we're reading about them tonight. This is hand-to-hand combat. This isn't where, you know, there's a satellite up there, and we're going to shoot them from a 1,000 miles away. This is face-to-face, hand-to-hand combat. And I want to tell you, these are the bloodiest battles. And yet not one child of God was hurt. That's a miracle. That's called dominion. That's the way it's meant to be. There doesn't have to be casualties in the house of God. If we will obey Him, if we will flow with Him, He will be in the battle with us. He can keep you from being a casualty tonight. But there was a problem. There was a troublemaker in the camp. I dare say there may be some in this room tonight. These are individuals who maybe come into a meeting like this. They enjoy the fruits of others who've labored, sacrificed for the milk and honey, so to speak. And maybe for a time, they themselves are making investment, uh, are there when uh, uh, all the things are going on. They're no longer a people of bondage and slavery. They're beginning to experience the presence of God. His glory is abiding uh, in the tabernacle. God is moving with them. But they themselves are not abiding in the truth. They have a secret. They're living a separate life in sin and rebellion. And because judgment does not fall speedily upon them, it's in their minds to say, hey, no big deal. Nobody knows. I didn't fall over dead. Lightning didn't hit me. And the Bible says because of that, it's in their heart to continue sinning and they will go deeper and deeper and deeper. And the problem is sin, and an individual like this, and I'm not, just ta- I'm not talking per se about just raw sinners. We're talking about someone that goes to church. I want to make that clear. You know, I'm not talking about guests necessarily maybe here with us tonight, although that, that's got its application. But these are people, they're in the body. And they're, they're acting like they're flowing along. But the problem is, sin brings such deception that they can begin to imbibe in the things they once were shameful of. But now, uh, it's like somehow they justify it. You know, Jesus said in John 8, If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth is the word of God. It's when you know the truth and embrace it and apply it, it makes you free. Not just some kind of vibe or feeling, well, I just, I just believe. Well, what? Believe in what? 
You've got to believe in something, not just, I believe in God my own way. Well, that's why you're still in sin. That's why the devil still has you captive. That's why you still go uh, uh, and and flesh out, have your little flesh holidays. Because you need the truth, uh, and I'm going to give you a little bit of that truth right now. See, Achan had refused to believe the truth. You know, the instructions are quite clear. In chapter 6, Joshua, you know, I'll just share a couple of verses. Uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 18. You shall, they're talking about going into the city, and they're going to conquer this city. And Joshua instructs them, uh, according to God's word, he says, You by all means shall abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. You know, one word keeps jumping out at me there, you know. You catching the word here, the curse? But all the silver, the gold, vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They'll come into the treasury of the Lord. And I'm not going to preach on money and tithing tonight, but I will say this. This is the first. This is the first city they will encounter and conquer. And the Bible says the first is holy unto the Lord. The first tenth shall come into the treasury. It's the tithe city. See, sin's a wicked thing, though. Once we allow it to come in and begin to justify it, it will open the door for deception to invade the mind. Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, writing and speaking about Satan. Paul writes this, He will completely fool those who are on their way to hell because they have said no to truth. They have refused to believe it and love it and let it save them, so God will allow them to believe lies with all their hearts. And all of them will be justly judged for believing falsehood, refusing the truth, and enjoying their sins. This describes Achan perfectly. See, God's word is final in every aspect of life. It's final. It's not up for reinterpretation, renegotiation. It's not up for to be rewritten or edited. It's final. You know, concerning idolatry, God says in Exodus 20, you shall not make for yourself the carved image of, or any likeness of anything that's heaven above or in the earth. And he goes on to say he's a jealous God and he visits the iniquity to the third and fourth generation, to those that hate him. Uh, I didn't grow up with idols, but idol can basically be anything that possesses the dear affection of your heart over loving God. The first commandment is that you love God first. He is the primary love of your life. But see, some like their cars better. It's not necessarily a religious thing, but it might as well be. That's where all their money goes. That's where all their time goes. That's where their identity is. You know, when I got saved, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and I didn't know anything about the Bible. And about that time, my wife, uh, my, my, wife, my mother decided to uh, become a Catholic. So much so, she went to work for the Catholic Church in Tucson, the Catholic Diocese. So now, we got rosaries and stuff around the house, and I'm thinking, cool, man, there's Jesus on the cross. Yeah, I'm down with that. One night I put that thing on. I'd been saved a few weeks. I put that rosary on. I was proud. You know what? I just felt holier putting it on. Oh, man. I mean, don't you? It's true. I'm telling you, this is true. 
I was a dope-smoking, thief-lying, dirty-dog sinner. But I remember walking into a Presbyterian church. I think that's what it was, or maybe it was a mix of things. Had the stained glass, the statues and crosses. And I mean, just walking in there, I felt holy. Yes, Lord, I'm here. See, that's what religion is. It's a seducer. It makes you feel things that aren't true. And I just felt holy putting that on. I'm proud, but I'm ignorant. And off to church I went. Just thinking, man, I'm going to worship God tonight. Thanks, swinging. I got Jesus right here. And I walked in and all the brothers are looking at me and saying, uh-oh, Jerry's going backwards. <laughs> he just got saved and now he's, you know. And uh, uh, I-, I meant well. I was sincere. I'm telling you. I wouldn't have done it if I didn't think it was a good thing. But see, I was ignorant. And that word means I simply was, had not been learned about that. I had not been taught. I'm ignorant about a great deal of many things. Uh, if you want to fly to the moon, you don't want me building the rocket unless you're into like the 4th of July, you know. I just have, it doesn't mean I'm less of a person. I'm just unaware of how to build a rocket. And so I walked in, I was unaware about what God said about idolatry. How can anything made with the hands of man be incorporated in worship to me? I am a spirit. I'm a powerful God. How can anything made by you represent and glorify me? You know what, you know what God makes? Have you taken a look into the universe lately? And you think by making your little trinket, man, he's going to be impressed. Woo! God, he he don't he ain't gonna know what to do tonight, man. And so the brothers took me to Exodus twenty and showed me the truth that makes me free, and says this will actually curse your life when you begin to. I don't care how sincere you are. I don't care if you meant well. The Bible says it will curse you. It will curse your children and their children and their children. I'll tell you this about idolatry. You go to any nation that practices idolatry, whether it's Catholicism, whether it's voodoo, whether it's anything else, and I'll tell you what you'll find. Extreme poverty, violence, and perversion. Look at any country. Pick it out. And that's what's behind it. It's a curse. And it's sinful. Maybe you're visiting with us tonight. Maybe, like my wife, good little Catholic girl, she don't even know what alcohol tastes like. Never did drugs. Nothing like that. Honor student all the way through. Meant well. Sincere. God bless her. But she did not know the Bible. She didn't know the truth. But once she met the truth, it set her free from the bondage of those little trinkets and traditions that did nothing, nothing, nothing for her. And maybe you came tonight and you're a person and maybe you're a little ruffled because, you know, I've touched on some things you believed in your whole life. I don't say these things to just, uh, you know, to insult you. I'm just sharing the truth. Maybe you were ignorant about what the Bible says, but you're not anymore. You see how that works? We come to church, maybe we didn't know something, and man, if the preacher don't get up and he talks about something, you need to know. We don't always like that, though. Well, it's up to you what you do the truth. You can refuse the truth and believe the lie, and God will give you lots of help to do that. 
Or you can say, no, I'm into the truth because Jesus is truth, and I want to do it his way. Now, there's probably not a lot of crucifixes here tonight, probably not a lot of people lighting candles. Uh, Let's get into something that might be closer to home. How about lying? Any liars here tonight? We just did our taxes, but some of you didn't. Just let that ping around and ping, ping, ping. Liars? I know this sin so well as a sinner. I used to lie just to make conversation. Wasn't even to get out of trouble. Yeah, I jumped out of a plane once without a parachute. But I caught a man who had a chute, took it off him, put it on. Or if I didn't do it, I met someone who did. You ever met one of those people? I used to tell people I was, uh, you know, uh, from another planet sometimes. And I would just, you know, just, and I, you know, I'm sure they didn't take me seriously after a while. But I was a liar. I lied just to make conversation. I lied to get out of uh, uh, trouble. Sometimes it was just a call to work saying I'm sick. Oh. I'm sorry. But someone says, man, I was planning to do that tomorrow. I got all these sick days, but I'm healthy. That's the thing about serving God, you know. Achoo! Oh, there it is. <laughs> Gossip. Did you hear about brother so-and-so? I'm only telling you this so we can pray. (laughs) Busybodies, you know, in everybody's business but their own. Always got to love brother and sister Holy Ghost that wants to straighten everything out. A proud look. You know, let me read this. Proverbs 6.16, the Lord, six thing the Lord hates, seven are an abomination. A proud look, a lying tongue. That proud look. You know, I see that many times when I'm preaching. I don't care what he says. I know the Bible too. Who made him? Pride. Have you noticed that when you pull up to stoplights now, it's been happening for several years now, but people don't, they they leave these gaps. They don't pull right next to you a lot of the time. You know why that started happening? I remember the first time it happened. Many years ago, I, I pull up to the light. And by the way, if you see me driving, I, I, I rented a car. And the people there, I rent a car all the time. They really like me. So they made me take that Ford Mustang. I, you know, I tried to get out of it. They said, no, you need to take that car. And I, okay, you know, it's not my car. Okay, you see me in that red Mustang. It's not me. I got a family of five. How in the world, you know? I just rented that to be able to come up here. But, you know, you pull up to the light, and I just remember looking across, and there's a guy, and I'm, I, I'm not one of these that can just do this. I'm nosy. I'm looking, at what do they drive? Who's over there? What's going on? And so I look, and all of a sudden he looks at me, and I don't know, I just kind of, you know, like this. All of a sudden he, ah. I'm thinking, man, I'm going to get killed, and I haven't even done anything. Ever get in those staring contests where you meet eyes with somebody and you get in that thing? I'm not looking away. You look away first. All the guys know what I'm talking about. Uh uh Go ahead, look. Pride, man. That proud look. Sometimes I see uh, 
young people, children, you know, their parents are trying to tell them something. They get that thing, you know, I want to join in with their parents. Don't you, don't you look at me like that. Can't do that today. You go to jail. Wouldn't it be cool if we had a time machine? We could go back in the Old Testament where they beat them with rods. I mean, that would straighten them up real quick, wouldn't it? You would not be lipping nobody off. The Bible says if you beat them, they shall not die. Wow, that's, that's, whoo. I'm glad my mama didn't know that in the Bible. Covetousness. I'm not going to spend a long time here. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. Our brother uh, elaborated, you know, all the church wants is your money. How sinners say that all. You know what, friend? That's all Walmart wants. You think they're down there because they just like you. I mean, they just want to be a blessing. No, man. They've got a line of 30 cash registers there. Because all they want is your money. You don't mind going there. That's all the bartender wants. That's all the drug dealer wants. That's all the car dealer wants. All they, but people aren't complaining. All they change wants is your We're not charging you anything to be here. You can walk in here free for the rest of your life. Never be charged. You'll never be blessed. In fact, you will have a curse. Anybody here ever been ripped off? You live in Phoenix, man. I bet you're getting ripped off all the time. My car probably not even out in that parking lot no more. <laughs> Go out there, brother, I need a ride. I got my car stolen when I was in Houston. Never happened to me before. So, you know, I, I had gotten home real late that night, about uh, 2 in the morning, uh, and then I was going to get up about 6. So it had only been out there four hours. I'm like, it's not a lot of time, you know. And I got on the phone. I said, my car got stolen. Had to be in the last four hours. Put out one of those APBs or something. And God bless her, the old deer on the other end of the line. Sir, do you realize a car gets stolen every six minutes in this town? Probably since your car has been stolen, there's been, you know, a hundred others. You know, I'll put it in the system. But I'm thinking, I ain't never going to see that car again, am I? And I never have. Man, I felt violated. You know, I kind of sort of wanted to find the person myself. You know, God says when you don't tithe, you're ripping him off. That's what it says. Now, you can accept that truth, or you can just simply decide, well, I choose not to believe that. And you can do that, and God will help you. But when you get judged, it's going to be on you. He's going to say, you didn't want to know the truth, so I gave you over to delusion. I'm going to let Satan have you. Sexual sin. I'm not going to go through every sin in the Bible, but I will mention this last one. Because this is a plague of which our society is already crumbling. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10.8, Do not let us commit sexual immorality as some did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Do you know who that's talking about? It's talking about the people God just got done saving out of Egypt. And what was the order of business while Moses was up getting the truth, the Ten Commandments? The first thing they did was make an idol, and off came the clothes, and they begin to have a big orgy. God killed 23,000 in one day. Boom! The people he just got done saving. Now, I know you go to the door, and your fellowship all the way. 
But if you're living in sin, there's this thing called the Bible. There's this thing called the truth, and you know what the truth is. And the problem is, you can download it to your cell phone. You can put it on your computer tucked away at your house. I dealt with a situation where a young man, you know, he likes to download music and other things. Downloads a video by Point of Grace. We've had all the filters on the computer, all those scanning things. But when he opened it up, it wasn't Point of Grace. It was blatant pornography. Someone maliciously put that thing together, called it a Christian thing, and it got him. Flirtations. Looking at men or women or both in a manner you shouldn't be. I'll tell you, I have this rule. I will not be alone in a room, in a car, in an elevator with another woman other than my wife, my daughters, my mother. I just won't do it. I'm preaching in California. It's hot. It's summertime. I'm six floors, seven floors up in this big hotel. I'm going to go down and get me a cup of coffee. The elevator opens up. There's three women in there in thong bikinis. They said, going down. I said, not that far. I'll take the next one. (laughs) Say, what's wrong, brother? You can't handle it? No, I can't. There are certain things that if a woman reveals, it turns me on. That's the way God designed me. That's why it's a real blessing when you come to church and it's covered up. That's something to be shared with one person in your life in the boundaries of marriage. I asked my wife. I asked her, I said, Glenda, do the women know when they let things hang out? Do they know what it does to a man? I mean, do they not realize what, what a man, what happens to him when he sees that? Yes, Jerry, they know. Why do they do that? That's exactly right. They're shameless. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a gentleman, and I haven't done it, but I've been so tempted to just walk up, see him on the street. Letting, I mean, they, they, it's all but revealed, and I feel like just walking up and saying, so how much? How much do you charge? And when they get all offended, I said, listen, you're the one advertising. I'm just wondering what the price is these days. Oh, now they get offended. Listen, you put that thing on. I'll tell you, the women really do control. They really do control the climate of the sexual promiscuity. If you don't reveal things, if you say no, he can't. And I want to tell you, I thank God for virtuous, godly women in the church. God give us them. But on the flip side, some of you guys, you're clicking on the internet this afternoon. And you're here tonight. You might be in ministry. You might be a Bible study leader. Just like Achan. You're acting like you're playing the part. But here's Achan and here's the tragedy is when Achan sins, it unleashes a curse, not just on him, but on the entire camp. Nobody knows it's happened. He's got it tucked away in his tent. That tent is significant. Paul called his body a tent. He said, I'm ready to shed this tent and go to be with the Lord. What's buried in your tent tonight? And so the people of God go. They've just had a tremendous victory. They go to Ai, but the battle begins to swing in a very bad way. And 36 men 
don't come home. I want to illustrate something. When I point to you gentlemen, I just want you to stand right where you're at. I, I want to illustrate something tonight. Ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Stand to your feet. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four. 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36. Take a look at these men. Righteous men. Holy men of God. Men that were there at Jericho. By faith, fighting the fight. Now we go to Ai... And these 36 men don't come home. Imagine tomorrow if we came and we announced every man you see standing in one day was killed. 36 fathers, husbands, brothers, sons, uncles, nephews. And I have a question. What did they do wrong? And where the heck was Achan anyway? Thank you, gentlemen. You may be seated. See, this was real. This happened. I'm telling you, when you sin, brother, sister, your little secret that you're hiding isn't just about you. But when you sin, it affects us all. That's, how, that's why how you live is my business. And how I live is yours. There's an accountability See, people don't understand. Well, you know, it's my life. I'm not hurting everybody else. I beg to differ. Your sin does hurt others. You may not see it in an outright way, but that's the nature of sin. Listen, you were born a sinner. You were born with a horrible curse that you can't shake. Someone else made that choice for you in a garden 6,000 years ago. Adam and Eve. Say, well, that's not fair. Life isn't fair. Don't talk to God about not fair. It was His Son on the cross. You want to talk about not fair? You don't want to get into that argument. You're not going to win it. And so Joshua's perplexed. And another thing I'll tell you, if you're here, you're acting like, you know, you're really on, but you're living in sin, maybe fornication, maybe there's some adultery going on, maybe there's some uh, other gross sins, and I'm not talking, you've stumbled... This thing's in you. You may say sorry from time to time, you know, and you go for a short little while, a few days. You know, I'm just wrestling with it. No, you're bound. It's got its hooks in you. And you need delivered. And if you keep coming, you can act, and you might even, you know, feel the presence of God. You know why? Because God gives a man a space to repent. He's not looking to fry the guy. He wants to restore him. But that space, that time, runs out. And so, you know, what are the odds they're even going to find this? It's a wedge of gold in a nice little suit I found. That'd be like me trying to find something like that in a city the size of Phoenix. They'll never find it. But you know what? You cannot hide from God. Tribe by tribe, family by family, man by man. Finally, Achan is standing there. You know, this took days. I'm thinking when these 36 men didn't show up, when, you know, it was obvious something was gone awry, Achan would have thought, man, what have I done? 
Oh, you'd think he'd be grieved, come and say, Pastor, I blew it, man, in a big way. And I'm almost thinking, had he done that, the outcome would have been different. See, people like this, they don't care because it's all about them. Their little satisfaction, their gratification. They don't care about other people. It's all about them, selfishness. It can help people if somehow that's going to make them look good or something like that. The only cure for sin, and it has not changed, is judgment. Death. The wages of sin is death, God said. He told Joshua, he said, you better deal with this or I'm done with you. I'll be with you no more. And there's people here right now by the Spirit of God. If you do not repent tonight, God's saying to you, I'm with you no more. I'm done. You're on your own. You can't, you better not hide this no more. You better deal with it right now. The good news is, if you do, there can be victory. You know, they took Achan, his children, his livestock. The only one it doesn't mention is a wife. Either he had her duped or she had passed away in the wilderness. We're not sure. But it's possible that he had scammed her somehow. She didn't even know this was going on. But his kids didn't fare well. See, your sin doesn't just affect you, friend. It affects those around you. And so now they've got to judge them. They've got to, it's the death penalty. God says put them to death. You know, this wasn't a good, this wasn't a joyous thing. Hoo-wee! There can be a stoning party today. We got that guy, man. Get a rock. No, 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 no. This is the worst part of the ministry. Sitting across the desk, trying to sift through the stupid, foolish decisions people have made. Yes, there's redemption. Yes, God can help. But it, had, it would have just been much, much better had it never happened. That's the message I'm preaching. Some destinies are never regained for what they could have been. And so they stone them. I mean, in your mind's eye, if you listen, you can almost hear it. As those rocks begin to come down on Achan and his kids. The cracking of bones, the shrieks and the cries. Until they were all extinguished. And then they burned them with fire. Heavy duty judgment. You know, tonight, we have not backed up a dump truck full of rocks. We're not going to call people out tonight and say, you're the, you're the man, and then stone you. You know why? But it's still the death penalty. Somebody's still got to die. You know who that is? God's only begotten Son is going to take the hit for you. See, when you come to this altar, you say, God, forgive me. Someone's got to pay for that. The Bible says Jesus, in the fullness of time, took upon Him the sins of the world. People can still add to the agony of the cross. I mean, I know that will short-circuit your mind. God does not live in time. He saw the beginning, the end, and the middle all at once, and He took all the sins that have ever been committed and laid them on His Son. And so when you come tonight, and I pray that you do, if God convicts you to get this thing out, He wants there to be victory. You know, once they did this and they judged it, God took them back to Ai, they won the city. Not one child of God was hurt. And God said, by the way, this, this time, take all you want. God, had Achan just waited, God would have blessed him. He could have filled his tent to the roof. He could have got a garment and actually wore it outside. But he never saw that blessing. Neither did his children. You know, maybe you're here tonight. 
and the Holy Ghost. You know, maybe I didn't name your sin. You know, God help you. If I don't call you out, name the time of day, you know, and what you did, you think, whew. God help you if you're there, friend. But you know what? If you're here tonight and God's putting his finger on your heart, this happened to me once. I was in a conference. There was something that uh, was uh, done years and years and years ago. I think it was a lie. And God came to me and says, you know what? You better go make that right or I'll be with you no more. Got my attention. I thought, man, you know, to do this now, I mean, but, you know, I found out something. When you obey God, I'm telling you, I begin to enter into a realm in my ministry, in my family, financially. It just blew my mind. It's still blowing my mind. If you're here tonight and you're hiding secret sin, friend, I, I tell you by the Holy Ghost, don't do it anymore. Get it right tonight. Repent if it's a sexual sin, fornication, idolatry, you need, you, need to, uh, probably, you need to speak to your pastor about that. Repent. Ask God's forgiveness, but you need some counseling to get through that so you can get restored. That's what discipline's all about. It's not just about making you feel bad. It's about bringing you to a place where you can go to AI, man, and get the blessing. Don't let the devil hold this on you so easily beset you. Oh, people think this of me now. They think I'm this and that. But you aren't, are you? God knows. Better to have a little humbling now than to be standing in eternity. And God will tell us all. It's a lot better to do it now. And I'm telling you, I really believe before we go further in these meetings, there may be some here. And you may have been here for years. You may be a high flyer. But there's sin in the camp. There's sin in your tent. And God's calling you right now to repent. And if you will do that, God can help you. Let's bow our heads tonight. God is a holy 